Welcome to the CBA Grain Exchange Podcast. This is your host, Luke Beckman, Grain Sales Manager for Central Valley Ag. During this podcast, we dissect the latest USDA updates and discuss other key market features. Every month, you will hear from different members of the CBA Grain Team on what trends we are seeing in the marketplace and solutions to current marketing challenges. Welcome back, everybody, to a March edition of the CBA Grain Exchange Podcast. Yeah, it's March 9th today, and we're talking about uh, the March WASDE report. Uh, we're between the February Outlook Forum and the March Planning Intentions and Stocks reports. So typically the March WASDE not uh, too eventful, and boy, did the USDA live up to that billing today. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a bit. Uh, today's guest, we're excited to have him on, is Jeff Bashard, the Senior Vice President of Grain for Central Valley Ag. I want to welcome him, uh, fairly new to CVA. Uh, in York, Nebraska. So Jeff, welcome to the CVA Grain Exchange. Uh, glad to have you here. Thank you, Luke. Appreciate being here. Well, Jeff, tell us a little bit about your background. So like a lot of people in the business, I grew up on a uh, crop and livestock farm in uh, Clay Center, Kansas. So that's in the north central part of the state. I graduated from K-State, so I bleed a little purple. I got my start uh, in the business after school, um, I was an ag econ major, so I got into business, uh, started with ConAgra, which is an Omaha-based food company, and I started out in their grain processing division. So after about a year with them, I, I realized what part of the grain industry I wanted to learn more about, and that was uh, how to run country elevators and everything about that. So I found an opportunity back in Kansas, and went back and started into that business. I spent about nine years in the central part and the western part of Kansas learning how to run um, grain elevators and and uh, take care of customers. And I did this in the independent uh, world. I that was before I joined a cooperative. So in 1997, so I had the opportunity to move back to north central Kansas in 1997, managing the grain division for Farmway Co-op which is now part of CBA. Once, uh, once I was there, we started a company called Agmark LLC, which is a grain marketing entity owned by cooperatives. And now CBA actually is a 49% owner of that LLC. Interesting how things come full circle. I was, um, had the opportunity to be the president of Agmark for 14 years. So very familiar with uh, what we call area three of uh, CBA, which is the Southern territory of our grain footprint. So prior to joining uh, CBA the 1st of January of this year, I spent a few years in Southwest Nebraska managing the grain division for a cooperative out there. I've always admired the progressiveness of uh, CBA and the abundant grain production of this part of the state. The opportunity was there when, when uh, we had an opening in the early part of this year. My wife and I uh, have family in the region, so I think this is a great place to be back closer to, to our kids and parents and grandkids. And I've seen a lot of change in the 30 years that I've been a part of the business, and uh, it's, what's, it's what has kept it exciting to me. And I've had to move around a little bit to experience and get exposed to some of the things that uh, it takes to run this business, but it's it's certainly been worth it. So a career in the grain business and working with cooperative business structure has been very rewarding. 
Well, you've had a lot of, of uh, good stops there, Jeff, and, and we're excited to have your leadership uh, for our division, for our cooperative, uh, to really position our owners and the company for success. So excited to have you here. I guess in all those stops, Jeff, and you've had some different experiences there, you know, what makes the cooperative system different from all the rest? Well, having worked in the independent world, I call it for 10 years, and then and then transitioning over to the cooperative world for the last 20, uh, I've had a chance to reflect on the pros and cons throughout that time frame. And one thing's for sure, regardless of the kind of business, um, either business model has to have good vision, sound leadership, and focus on its customers to stay relevant long-term. The thing that is uh, neat about cooperatives is, if you think about it, we allow our customer to own us just by doing business with us. They don't have to write a check. Um, I'm not sure everyone is aware of how many different kinds of cooperatives that are out there. I mean, we think a lot about, you know, the local ones, which are input uh, farm supply, uh, grain marketing cooperatives, but but, um, we have all kinds that assist in marketing livestock, fruits and vegetables. Uh, we have commodity processing cooperatives, uh, just to name a few. Uh, big difference with a cooperative uh, with a cooperative is how customers become an owner. Um, corporate bylaws vary and they dictate how to be a member, but most cooperatives don't require their members to write a check to buy ownership. You just start it. Unlike uh, if I want to own a share of Amazon or ADM, I have to write a check. And that's really a big difference. Uh, Sometimes take that for granted. So the cooperative model is designed to give us give back to its owners in in more than one way. Uh, Just to kind of illustrate that, you 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 have the benefits of the goods and services that you get by uh, coming in the door you have the potential for some additional revenue back to your business if the cooperative is successful makes money and wants to distribute that we call that patronage and then some of that patronage can get banked uh, that ownership that we call equity it you could possibly that you could possibly receive at a later date depending on how that equity is resolved re- revolved excuse me another um, big difference for cooperatives is how they tend to put money back into their assets so they can better service their customer. It's kind of like getting patronage back in an asset form uh, rather than cash. Sometimes we don't think about how much of a benefit that is, but that's reality. So the final thing that distinguishes co-ops, I think, from independence in, in many situations is that co-ops are uh, kind of a social economic entity the decisions we make are not totally driven by just sure numbers all the time because we live in rural America and the decisions we make do in fact our community do impact our communities. So um, those those impacts are often taken into consideration in most of the decisions that are made. So I believe in the cooperative business model and believe the cooperative uh, has played a key role in the development of rural America and and then the answer to uh, a lot of issues the American farmers had over the years. So I think the the founders of the Caper Volstead Act in 1922 would be proud of 
of how their idea affected uh, and in, impacted American agriculture. That's really woven into the fiber of, of rural America, like you said, Jeff. And I guess we're just really proud to to work with uh, work within a, an ownership model like that, and and uh, provide value, you know, to these rural communities that we serve in. I think we're all passionate about that. So uh, glad to have you here today, Jeff. Let's dive into the USDA numbers. Uh, the USDA did a copy and paste function today, kind of the way it looked. Uh, no visible changes on the corn balance sheet uh, whatsoever. So when we look at uh, the domestic numbers, the the market really place was really kind of expecting that, you know, the carryouts would uh, tighten up a bit today, uh, probably as we kind of ratchet export demand higher, those commitments are at a pretty high percentage of, of the total estimate the USDA has uh, currently. So the market was kind of expecting, you know, a tighter carryout pre-report estimates at uh, 1.471 billion, uh, but the USDA made no changes to the domestic balance sheet today in corn. So uh, it quite, quite literally a copy and paste function stocks to use ratio stays at 10.3% farm average price, $4 and 30 cents carry out 1.502 billion bushels globally. Uh, you know, market was curious to kind of see if there were going to be any South American revisions. Uh, but as we look at those, uh, really nothing major, um, Argentina, Brazil unchanged, uh, in terms of production on that side. You did see some small changes, South Africa, Russia, uh, the European Union, Mexico, Southeast Asia, but by and large, uh, uneventful today. So Jeff, what are, what are kind of your takeaways from the USDA's behavior today? Now, I, I really kind of expected a little bit of change, but um, as you said there, uh, it, was, um, it was just um, a, kind of a replay of last month. Um, I guess I'm not too surprised they're, they're there hasn't been too many changes in the marketplace that maybe would impact those numbers. I did expect a little more change out of uh, South American corn production, just given all the weather issues that we read about every day and the dry weather in Argentina and uh, the late planting that we're experiencing with the Brazilian second corn crop. And I just thought maybe we'd see a little bit more uh, impact on, on their numbers than we saw today. But uh, I guess it's just a little too early to make that call. Yeah, it, it kind of feels that way, but been pretty well reported that, you know, Brazilian bean harvest, just the amount of rainfall they received in the month of February was just, you know, absolutely astounding in some of these spots. And not only delaying harvest, but then you bring in, you know, the quality of the grain at that point that's left in the fields. Uh, marketplace is going to be curious to see, you know, if any of that comes out. Uh, maybe later on, even as you get into stocks numbers, some some of those types of events when you start talking about grain quality, maybe don't have an immediate impact uh, in terms of how it hits the balance sheet. But sometimes it's those stocks reports that kind of reveal some of those issues that you had with quality uh, earlier in the in the season. So we'll be interested to watch that. Um, and then also all that rain is certainly slowing up uh, second crop corn. In Brazil, that safrina crop is is not getting in the ground timely. We're kind of beyond the desired uh, deadline for when producers down there like to get that crop planted. So, you know, we need to pay attention to uh, whether uh, it can get dry at the wrong time with this crop getting in getting in late. And uh, you know, global balance sheet kind of wants that that uh, Brazilian corn. So, we'll have to keep an eye on that, Jeff. 
Yeah. Um, soybean side of things, largely the same event. We saw uh, no changes to the domestic balance sheet outside of a 1 million bushel bump to seed. Uh, and that was offset with a 1 million bushel reduction to residual. Uh, so the soybean carryout stays at 120 million bushels. Market was looking for just a, a slight reduction to 117, uh, probably on some expanded exports, uh, but that did not come today. So uh, carry out, like we said, 120 million bushels, stocks to use at 2.63%, uh, crazy tight. Not sure the USDA has got a lot of room to navigate, but uh, Jeff, what were your thoughts on uh, the soybean revisions or lack thereof today? Well, kind of along the same lines as, uh, as what we saw with corn, um, you know, expecting a little something, but not terribly surprised there was, there wasn't some more revision. The, the thing again, that, that I really am a little bit concerned about is that they didn't at least recognize that we're only like 30, we're only like 34% harvested in Brazil on beans versus 54%. Um, last year and an historical average. So, and and I guess that, like you said, will be more reflected in quality reports going forward, most likely. Maybe they get them out of the field, but they're just not in the greatest shape. So, um, but I I guess um, I'm I'm going to anticipate certainly some more fireworks in the in the future reports, but just didn't get it today. So. Yeah, and we yeah we kind of opened with some of those comments. You're really between the February outlook forum and the March planning intentions and and uh, the latter is certainly you know highly anticipated especially this year where we've got high prices really across the board for a lot of different commodities so a lot of um, a lot of attractive alternatives for producers this year in areas where they can swing acres and you know that survey uh, took place late February early March uh, so we'll see what the farmer data says here at the end of the month in the in terms of both planning intentions as well as the stocks report. Um, should mention, I guess, on the global front, really no no revisions domestically today, but Argentine production, USDA pulled them down a half million metric ton lower to 47.5. And then that Brazilian production was up 1 million metric ton to 134. So uh, outside of too much rain being an issue in Brazil, Brazil's crop was getting larger. Uh, and Argentina's crop was getting smaller, more or less kind of an offset. Uh, so pretty quiet today, no, no fireworks. Really feels like Jeff, you know, we did have new high closes in May beans, November beans and December corn. Uh, so new high closes for each of those contracts. It really kind of feels like these, these new crop uh, contracts just continue to softly trend higher. You know, what are your thoughts on, uh, on the new crop months and what they're presenting to us here? I, I, given today's report and the fact that we won't see any major inputs into the market for a couple few weeks here until we get the March 31st report, I would expect to kind of stay in a range. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't expect to see too many, too many uh, big days going forward. I suppose it's possible, but I'm kind of looking for this market to trade in a range or at least the higher end of the range we've experienced in both old and new crop until we get the new input into the month. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, I don't know what kind of news we might get that would break us out of that range to the upside, but I think we'll trade against the high side of the levels we've seen lately. Kind of knowing that, Jeff, and, and as we kind of get into the spring season, you know, what's 
what's a marketing alternative or solution that you kind of like for producers in this environment? So my philosophy has always been to diversify your, your grain marketing approach, um, use the various uh, alternatives that are out there. One that I really like, and, and every year at this time it presents itself, and, and that is historically we see a lot of volatility during the growing season. And the ability to capture that uh, is there's, there, you, know, you can pick a day and sell or, or you could approach it as an average idea and, and sell a little bit each day through the volatile times of May, June and early July as we're trying to get stuff planted, um, get the crop off and running and, and make sure we, we have a, a crop to work with. And so I like the seasonal average concept statistically it, it provides a, um, a better price level um, than harvest price levels it's proven itself uh, historically to be that and it has a, has a high probability of, of being a higher price during the year so and that's in terms of the futures levels i'm talking about so i really like that approach um, we, we established our crop insurance uh, values here in February, uh, 458 on corn and 1187 on beans. And so my goal would be to try to average at or above those levels, uh, since I've already got that as somewhat of a floor in my, at least in my crop insurance equation. So that's, that's one of the alternatives right in front of us that I really like that I would encourage everybody to take advantage of as, as, uh, as we start that uh, contract rolling. Yeah, it, it is a good solution. I think a lot of your, your pre-harvest sales producers uh, kind of remember the, the sting and the pain of really the current marketing year that we're in, all the forward sales. If you rewind the calendar a year, uh, we were just dealing with a very different situation um, and a lot of challenges to, to the marketplace and the balance sheet. Uh, so forward sales uh, did not look good, you know, in this current marketing year. And just want to encourage producers to stay grounded. You know, we go through these commodity cycles uh, over the course of time and uh, a year like this year can, can uh, ruin a lot of good marketing habits. You know, so we want to keep producers to stay grounded, focus on profitability, uh, focus on discipline, focus on accountability. And uh, I think the contract you're talking about there, Jeff, with taking advantage of seasonal averages, um, over the course of time really uh, is going to improve net worth on your, on your farm uh, and produce good sales averages for you. Well, Jeff, uh, I wish we had a little more exciting stuff to talk about market-wise today, but you know, the exciting thing is that I think profitability is in, is in good shape at the farm level. We need that. Uh, it helps the cooperative perform well. It helps rural America perform well. Uh, so those are all positive things. I guess Looking ahead, uh, you know, what are three things, you know, that farmers should be thinking about here, Jeff, between now and the planning intentions report at the end of the month? I think, first of all, just understanding, um, you know, where you're at with your marketing plan. Um, have, have a plan, I guess, which I would say first. And, and if you haven't engaged and started doing any uh, marketing, uh, have have an idea or at least some objectives on, on how you would make those decisions if you achieve some levels that you know are profitable on your farm. Um, and then 
be, be ready to execute if, if we hit those levels. Um, and I would say the other, the other thing to think about is, is in all of, all of the excitement and the volatility in the market is maintain some flexibility and be willing to adjust your thinking depending on how the market reacts to um, acres and the growing season. So I think there was three steps in there, Luke, but those are just some, some things that I would think should be top of mind is, as um, we move through this month and approach the, the uh, crop report here at the end of the month. Absolutely. Well, good advice, Jeff. It was great to have you on. Uh, excited with uh, you know your past experience, leadership capabilities, and leading the CVA Grain Division into the future. That's going to wrap it up for episode number 13 of the CVA Grain Exchange. We'll be back with you at the end of the month to dissect the March 31st planning intentions and grain stocks report. Enjoy March. Thanks for listening to the CVA Grain Exchange. Stay up to date on all things CVA Grain by signing up for our grain emails at cvacoop.com slash grain or follow us on social media at Central Valley Ag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next month and until then, stay safe. Stay safe.